lesson on um, the three kings from the Orient. All right? Uh, and I'm going to start off by saying there probably weren't three of them. They were not kings, and more than likely were not from the Orient. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the wise men, what the Bible refers to as the wise men this morning. And uh, I want to start by saying that we've got to be careful, especially uh, as we come around Christmas time and, and other religious uh, celebrations that we have, that uh, we don't distort tr- biblical truth with uh, tradition or customs of the day. Um, it's amazing to me how so many people that uh, claim to be Christians uh, get their doctrine from songs that they hear and they don't read their Bibles very much. And um, there are a few songs that uh, have been used in, in reference to the wise men that certainly are not scriptural, uh, and, uh, and we have no way of knowing uh, some of the truth of it because it's not given to us in Scripture. Uh, and it sounds like uh, oftentimes we, uh, we state as a fact things that we don't find in Scripture. And we've got to be careful of that. Uh, the absence of something in Scripture is not a doctrine. Uh, we've got to be so careful that we don't use the, the, the lack of something being found in Scripture as the basis for our belief. Um, but there are a couple of uh, songs. One of them is, and one of them you may not have thought about, uh, is the 12 Days of Christmas, believe it or not, is in reference to uh, the period of time that some people believe took place between the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the time uh, that the wise men appeared and showed up uh, to worship the Christ child. They believed that there was uh, 12 days between there. And so that song, 12 Days of Christmas, uh, was written for that reason. It was written to try to expound that truth. Uh, but probably one of the most common uh, songs that most people know about are is the song, We Three Kings uh, from Orient Are... And uh, it's a song that a lot of people have associated with the Christmas time. Uh, but the truth is, uh, we need to know what the Bible says about these wise men. There are many things that we do not know about them. The Scripture doesn't tell us about them. And, uh, but there are five distinct things, and we're going to share those with you at the end of the uh, lesson this morning. There are five distinct things that we know very assuredly about them, very clearly about them. And I'll share those with you as we get to the end of our lesson. Uh, Let's look in Matthew chapter number 2. We're going to read verse number 1 and down through about uh, verse number 4 or 5 there. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the uh, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And I'm going to stop there for a moment. We'll read on down a little bit further in just a little bit. Uh, Some of the things that have become known about the wise men... Uh, that is not stated in Scripture, but is basically accepted as tradition, is uh, that there were three of them. Uh, The Bible does not tell us that there were three wise men. And in fact, more than likely, in the way that 
these fellows would travel back in that time period, more than likely would have been uh, a, a greater number than three uh, traveling together. Uh, we're going to look at why that is here in just a little bit out of the book of Daniel and uh, see why that perhaps that could have been the case. Uh, we do know that it was more than, uh, more than one because it uses the plural form. It says wise men. So it could be anywhere from two uh, to infinity beyond that as far as numbers of wise men. It could go on uh, much further than that. Uh, but the truth of the matter is the Bible does not tell us how many there were. Uh, traditionally, they say there were three, and there's a lot of um, things that got established around the second century. And that, in fact, uh, they quit being known as wise men, generally speaking, and a term uh, kings was assigned to them. But it didn't happen until the second century. Um, and again, it was not something that was found in Scripture. It was just something that people began to uh, use commonly. Uh, then they, they got names. They, they established that there were three of them. Uh, they established that they were kings. Uh, and when I say they, the, there was religious groups and sects at that time that were trying to do some things because of this. And um, so around 700 A.D., they actually came up with names for three of these guys. And you may have heard some of these names used before, Melchior, Balthazar, and, and Gaspar. And uh, there are some 1600s uh, written material uh, from the 1600s that actually give descriptions of these guys. And they say that uh, Melchior is an old man with a long white beard, Balthazar was a uh, ruddy complexion, and Gaspar uh, was a black-skinned and heavily bearded man. And uh, it happened around 700 when these thoughts were adopted. And uh, if you take some time to re realize where that came from or why they did that, uh, they were trying to reflect uh, that the gospel story, I, I think their intent was sincere, but their, their methodology was certainly wrong. They were trying to show that the gospel was come uh, for all men, and they were using the three sons of uh, Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, uh, as, as some examples of that. But they, they took this, and they gave names to these guys, and they gave descriptions to these guys, and many people began to say these were literal three men, three kings, these were their names, this is what they looked like. And so much so that they, uh, uh, they believe that the remains of these three fellas, they have some skeletons and some uh, three bodies in uh, Cologne, Germany, uh, in, a, in a great cathedral that's over there, and they refer to these as the three wise men or the three kings. Uh, can I say all of that that I just shared with you has become traditionally known, but has no backing in Scripture? And again, some of those things you may have heard, some of you may not have heard, but I would say this, that it is, it is easy sometimes for you and I to take something that someone says authoritatively or on some sort of a, a platform, and we don't come to Scripture for our reasoning and for our understanding of some some things. Um, let me let me start with this, and I, I'm not uh, I, I'm very careful. I've, I, I have studied uh, Greek and I have studied some Hebrew. Uh, I've had two years of Koine Greek, which is the Greek that much of our Bible was written in. I'll be real frank with you. We hold in our hands a preserved and infallible English translation. Uh, we we don't need the Greek at all. But I'm going to use a Greek word here, 
And it's not because we need to. It's just to tie something together and show you something here. But the, the word that got translated in our King James Bible, uh, wise men, in the Greek, is the word magos, M-A-G-O-S. And uh, I, I only say that not, not to uh, try to change anything in our King James Bibles, but to try to explain to you where we now have people today that refer to these three wise men as the magi. That's where that came from, that word, that Greek word, magus. And uh, the word magus in the Greek could mean wise men or well-learned, uh, but it also referred to, like a lot of words, they have multiple meanings. It could refer to uh, magicians and sorcerers and things of that nature. The first usage of that particular Greek word was in reference to Daniel chapter number 2. And uh, let's go back and look at this real quick. Daniel chapter number 2. And um, there was something that took place in the book of Daniel. We're going to come back to uh, Matthew chapter 1. Now, Daniel was not written in Greek, but when the word magus became used, uh, used in the Greek language, the first time it was in reference to was in reference to this group of people that were found in Daniel chapter number 2. Uh, Daniel chapter number 2, and uh, let's look in verse number 46. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse number 46. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a little bit of the backstory here. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed a dream, and he called the wise men, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers in. These were men that were steeped in the occult. Um, they were... Uh, astrologers, not astronomers, but astrologers. They looked to the heavens and for signs and wonders and had gotten their position because there had been some ability to predict the future, to interpret some dreams uh, for the king, and that's how they got in the positions they were in. You say, well, does that mean that God enabled them to do that? No, I don't believe that. I believe that the way they got these things were because they were demonically or, or uh, uh, empowered by Satan, uh, who would give a king uh, a dream and then give his wise men and soothsayers the interpretation of it so that they could gain that position. There's a couple of instances and illustrations throughout Scripture, even back in the time of Pharaoh and his uh, magicians, where they were able to, I mean, they were able to cast their rods and they became serpents too. There is some power there. Uh, and I do want to say this, that uh, God's power certainly is not anywhere uh, on the equal plane of Satan's. Or so I should say it the other way, Satan's plane is not... Some people think of Satan's power being equal but opposite to God. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, God is infinite in His power. Satan is limited in His power. And that's seen over and over again in Scripture. Uh, but these men uh, were called in. Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. And he, he recognized it and felt that there was something significant about it. He wanted to know the interpretation of it. So he called these guys in. And he said, I, I want to know the interpretation of my dream. They said, okay, that's fine. They'd done this before. They weren't worried. And they said, tell us the dream. He said, I can't remember it. <laughs> that's pretty hard to do, tell a man an interpretation of a dream and he doesn't remember the dream. And so Nebuchadnezzar gets pretty mad. Uh, at this point, he's not saved. He's under the influence of Satan, I believe, directly. Uh, Babylon was, I believe, the seat of Satan at that time. And there's some reasons for that later in the book of Daniel. We won't go into right now. But uh, we find that Nebuchadnezzar gets angry and he says, I'm going to kill all the wise men. I'm just kill them all. And uh, one of the men came to, to the king and said, there is a man that you haven't checked with. His name's Daniel. Let's try him first. And we know the story how that Daniel comes in. Uh, 
Nebuchadnezzar says the same thing to him. I want you to give me interpretation of the dream. Uh, what's the dream? I don't know the dream. And Daniel said, okay, give me some time. And he goes back and he prays. And God gives him the dream and the interpretation. And he comes back to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and he gives him the, the dream. And he gives him the interpretation of that dream. Uh, I believe the reason the wise men couldn't do that was because it wasn't something that Satan gave. It was something that God had given to Nebuchadnezzar just for Daniel. Uh, now, you may differ with me on a position on that. That's fine. But suffice to say, Daniel was able to give the interpretation, and the other men could not do it. And so that's where we find ourselves as we get down to verse number 46. And I'll take a minute and look with me. The Bible says, Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell on his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, uh, it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then, and, and verse 48, I think, is very critical in understanding this. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts. And notice this, made him ruler over the providence of Babylon and chief of the governors over, look at this word here, all the wise men of Babylon. Now, the first usage that we see of the New Testament Greek word uh, for wise men is in reference to this group in Daniel chapter 2. It later becomes common usage in the Greek language to refer to that same group of people who were moved into the Persian Empire and there was a specific group of wise men uh, that were noted for studying scriptures. And they would take scripture and truth and uh, then look for these things in the heavens. And the word that is used in our New Testament in Matthew chapter 2 became the common use of that word in the Greek language. It was when you use that word you knew that that was who it was speaking of. It was speaking of this very specific sect or group of wise men that had been under, uh, and understand this, that while they started in the occult area and reading signs and wonders and trying to hear from the gods through the heavens, uh, they now come under the influence of Daniel. And they are under the influence of Daniel now for a great number of years, probably well over 60 years. They're under his tutelage, under his teaching, understand that when uh, the um, uh, Daniel never left Babylon, Daniel was there through uh, the Babylonian Empire, uh, through the grandson of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and even through uh, the kings uh, all the way through Cyrus the Great of Persia. He served in that area for over sixty years, and for almost all of that time, he is the one in charge of now this group of wise men, and he's teaching them truth. Uh, notice what it says here as we get to verse number 49. Then Daniel requested the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the fairs of the providence of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. His purpose was to be in charge of these wise men. Uh, I don't have any other information about how that went over those years. But I cannot help but believe that a godly influence of Daniel over a period of that many years influencing and teaching and being in charge of these wise men didn't have some kind of an effect on them. I will say this. I'm not going to go so far as to say they all came to a knowledge of God and trusted Him as the only one true God. But I will say this. I do know that they knew Scripture. 
And we know that from the Bible. They understood prophecy. And I believe they understood that because of Daniel's influence and Daniel's teaching over a long period of time. This being the case, that being the group of wise men that is commonly referred to uh, throughout that time period, uh, that is used in the Matthew chapter 2 explanation of things, uh, they were certainly not from the Orient as far as China and Tibet and those areas, but they would have been from around the, uh, the northern part of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, somewhere around the Fertile Crescent and where Iraq is today. That would have been uh, about the furthest east they would have been uh, from Israel at this particular time. And uh, so they, they, weren't, they weren't probably weren't from the Orient as far as what we know the Orient to be. Um, there's no doubt that Daniel begins to teach them some truth and these men are already used to looking in the stars. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of a side trail here just for a second. We're going to come right back. Uh, <clears throat> because I want to show some things here that uh, God, uh, I believe, gave the initial constellations. The Bible says in Psalms, and I, I'm not going to go into great detail. Maybe we'll preach a series on this at one point. But the psalmist said, the heavens declare, and he uses the word declare. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. So there is a message in their appearance. Uh, and as far back as we can find writings, there are constellations that I believe very clearly, if you look at the ancient constellations, they very clearly depict the gospel story. It's an amazing study. Um, take a moment and look with me in the book of Job. Now, Job is... Uh, we believe one of the oldest written books uh, that we have in our Bible, if not the oldest written book. <coughs> and uh, <clears throat> Job is uh, Job had asked a question, and God answers him with a whole slew of questions, basically saying, Job, where were you when I did this? And God is speaking here in Job chapter 38, and I want you to look if, with me, if you will. Uh, we're going to go back to... Uh, Oh, let's go to maybe verse 19. We'll read a little ways down. And it's amazing to hear some of these questions that God asks Job. He says, uh, Where is the way of light uh, dwelleth? Uh, and as for darkness, where is the place thereof? So light dwelleth somewhere, and darkness is in a place. So we know that light moves. Darkness does not. And uh, we know that, and there's a speed of light. Now, uh, it's interesting that science finally caught up with the Bible in that area, amen? <laughs> so... It's, uh, the Bible is not a science book, but it has a lot of science in it, and it is true. Uh, verse 20, thou sh- uh, that thou shouldst take it uh, to the bound thereof, that thou shouldst know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou, uh, thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By, the way, uh, by what way is the light parted, which scattereth east? Uh, when upon the earth, who hath divided a water course for the overflowing uh, of waters or a way for the lightning uh, of thunder and all kinds of science in those few verses. Uh, we find in uh, uh, verse number, uh, let's see here, verse number 24, that there is a way that the light is parted. And we know that from prisms. You can see now uh, the scattering of the light. Uh, we also know that the light that is created from the sun 
the heat that is produced from that is what scatters the wind. It's what causes our wind to blow on the earth. It's from the light that comes. That's why at night times, oftentimes, it's very, very calm. During the day, it's very, very windy. Um, verse 25, with divided water course for the overflowing of the waters uh, or a way for the lightning of thunder. So uh, he directs where the lightning goes, where it comes from, where it goes to. To cause it to rain on the earth where no man is on the wilderness, wherein there is no man. To satisfy the desolate and the waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father, or who hath forgotten, uh, who hath begotten the drops of dew? Uh, out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pallades? Well, what, are, what is Pallades? Pallades is an ancient constellation. Here's God talking about it, saying, Job, where were you when I made these things? He talks about Pallades, and he says, Or loose the bands of Orion. What's Orion? It's an ancient constellation. Canst thou bring forth Masroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Acturus with his sons? What are Masroth and Acturus? They're ancient constellations. So I believe that God gave these. He's speaking to Job. Where were you when I made these things? Uh, there was not a written Scripture. In the Old Testament, most people were nomadic people who wandered, and they didn't have a lot of big cities back then. A lot of people were out in the wilderness, and even if they had big cities, they didn't have the light pollution that we have today. And one of the ways to continue to pass from generation to generation, I believe, was for them to tell the stories of the gospel and of the Bible accounts of the flood and different things that took place in the past, different uh, biblical characters. But the gospel message was the important thing. And it's amazing to me how you can take the ancient constellations, the ones that are recorded in ancient history. You won't find a beginning of where they came into existence. They just always seem to be there. And you can easily, you don't have to try to twist it, but you can easily see the gospel message portrayed in the ancient constellations of the sky. Now, again, people may differ with me, say, Pastor, I think you're pulling things way out of proportion here. And that's fine. We'll know when we get to heaven. I do know that according to the book of Job, God's, God's telling Job, uh, he's the one that uh, had put them there and had named them, that, that he could not uh, have understood them without God uh, making them. And uh, so very important here, because I believe that since these men were already used to looking into the skies, that Daniel was able to use these ancient constellations to teach them truth of a coming Messiah through the stars. Now, you say, I don't understand if I agree with that or not. That's fine. You don't have to. It's an interesting thought. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter number 2 for a moment because I do want you to notice uh, a couple things about these wise men. So there's a lot of things we don't know about them. We don't know how many there were. We do know that they probably were not kings. We do know that they probably were not from the Orient. They were probably more from the Middle East. Uh, uh, but uh, there are some things that we can find in Matthew chapter 2 that we don't often think about. Let's look in uh, verse number 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem. They were not kings, they were wise men. Saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen, notice this phrase, what's the next word? It's three letters. His star in the east. Not a star. His star. 
me ask you a question. How did the wise men know that this star was the star that belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ? Could it be that Daniel had taught them? They certainly understood in new scriptures. So he come, that notice what the Bible says here, uh, that they come from the east in verse number one to where? Where did they go? Verse number one at the very end of the verse. There came wise men from the east to where? To where? Jerusalem. How do you think they knew to go to Jerusalem? Let's take a look here again in Daniel, uh, chapter number 9. Daniel, chapter number 9. And let's look in verse number 24. Daniel, chapter 9, and verse number 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring into everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, and to build what? Jerusalem, until Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be uh, with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease for the overspreading of abominations. He shall make it desolate even until the cons- uh, consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Speaking here of the city of Jerusalem. That this is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come. He talks about the Messiah, the Prince, coming to Jerusalem in verse number 25. Going forth from the camp to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall, even in troublous times. They knew the teachings of Daniel. When they saw the star that they knew was the star of the Messiah... Uh, they knew where to go because Daniel had said, this is where it's going to be. Uh, let's also look in Numbers chapter number 2. There's a prophecy that Balaam made uh, all the way back in Numbers chapter 2 that they also were aware of, it seems, or apparently so. Numbers chapter 2, and uh, let's look at verse number 12. Uh, do I have the right passage? I don't think I have the right passage here. Uh, maybe, it's, yeah. Uh, ah, I hate when I do this. Let's see, because I got them backwards, probably. Let's see. Well. No, not there either. All right, I'll have to get you that reference. And I apologize for that. I wrote it wrong in the notes. Uh, had COVID again, so I can blame that for another week or two at least. But I'm telling you, last time I had it, I was writing numbers all over the place and had references completely messed up. I've done pretty well this time. I've only missed a couple now. 
Um, but uh, Balaam, and I'll, I'll get, I will get you the reference for it, uh, Balaam uh, spoke of the fact that he was going to come with a star, that there was going to be a star that uh, uh, referenced his birth. And uh, you can take some time. It is in the book of Numbers, and I will get the exact reference for you uh, and give it to you. Uh, but they knew of both of these prophecies. They knew where to go, and they knew that when a specific star showed up, that it was to announce the birth of the Messiah. Because they come for a reason. Now, these men are wise men. They're, they're well-educated. They're men of power. They're men of stature. They had influence over kings. They advised kings many times. And notice what takes place here as they talk in verse number... Uh, let's go back to verse number 1 read it one more time carefully. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, notice this, King of the Jews, capital K here, King of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east. Now, wait a minute. Um, if they were referring to just a general king, uh, the next few words would not make sense. They understand that he doesn't come just as a governmental king, but he's coming as a spiritual king for his people. Because the Bible says here, and are come to what? Worship him. They knew who the Christ child was. They knew he was the Messiah, the one that was coming to deliver them. Uh, it's very important that we understand these things. So there's a lot of things about the wise men that we don't know. I'm going to give you five things very quickly that we do know about them from Matthew chapter 2 and from Daniel. All right? Uh, let's go through them very, very quickly here, and uh, I'll see if I can get that reference for you here at the very end uh, that I need. Uh, the first thing that we do know about them is they believed God's Word. They believed God's Word. Uh, they knew the prophecies. And when the star showed up, they not only believed that the star was the star for the Messiah, but they also believed in where the prophecy said the birthplace was going to be. And they went to Jerusalem uh, the way that Daniel had spoken about it. Number two, we know that they were seeking for the Savior of the world. They were seeking for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that was referred to as the Messiah. They were seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. So they had a not only a knowledge of God, but I believe they had a desire and a fear of God to find Him and to, and to, to know Him. Number three, they understood the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the one o'clock hour, we'll develop this a little bit further. But they understood His purpose, and we can see that in the gifts that they brought Him. We'll take some time to look at that a little bit more this afternoon. Number four, understanding their position. These are men of renown. They are men that uh, would answer only to kings. They would advise kings. The Bible says here that they were going to, uh, in verse number, let's go down a little bit further. Uh, let's go down to verse number 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and noticed this, and what? And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They understood uh, who Jesus was, and they were humbled in his presence. 
They were humbled in His presence. Number five, they were willing, and this I think is most telling of them, uh, they were willing to obey God rather than man. These wise men had been given a direct command from King Herod. They were told to go and to find the child and to bring him word again. But God came and said, don't do it. They have a choice to make at that point, just like you and I often have a choice to make. Am I going to obey God or am I going to obey man? Probably one of the most telling things that these wise men were men who studied and knew Scripture and understood and had a fear of God, and I believe were men who sought God. (coughs) They were no longer the pagans worshiping false idols. I believe they were in search of the one true God. And the reason I believe that is because they feared God more than King Herod. King Herod could have him put to death. And yet they said, I'm willing to obey God rather than man. Not a lot that we do know about the wise men, but there are some wonderful things that we do know. And two different times, uh, they obeyed what God had told them to do. And once when the star uh, came and they knew they needed to go and journey to Jerusalem, and the next when uh, they uh, were told by Herod to come and report back to him, and God said, don't do that. And uh, they were willing to obey God. Uh, they were obedient to Him. They were submitted to Him. And uh, I believe, personally, and this is a personal opinion, I believe one day we'll get to see Him in heaven. And uh, when we get there, I want to ask Him a whole lot of questions. So, wonderful truths about it. Be careful about getting our, our truth from songs. Or cards, greeting cards. Uh, we'll look a little bit more into some of this stuff throughout the day today. But um, it's a wonderful thing, the Word of God, isn't it? And uh, you know what? we got three or four minutes here. Let me see if I can get that right reference for you because I feel bad that I got the wrong one. Is it 2417? Numbers 2417? Let's see if that's it. 24. I don't know where in the world I got two from. Twenty-four, seventeen. There, yep. There you go. That's it. I don't know how I got two something. I had two twelve or something like that written down. That was weird. So okay, twenty-four, seventeen. Uh, and yeah, this is Balaam's uh, prophecy. Uh, you see that in verse number twelve. Uh, and I, uh, verse number seventeen. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. And so again, they understood and they knew Scripture. And I appreciate that, whoever looked that up for me. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead and be dismissed in prayer. And we'll be ready for our next service here in just a few moments.